He's like, yeah, I want to do a German opera about Turkish whores. And they're all just like, what? Um, I'd, I'd watch it. It's still at the end of the day. It's opera, though. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's beautiful. It's uh, prestige. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today, I finally watched Amadeus. Amadeus, no, Amadeus. No, stop. I can see your head bobbing. Don't do it. So, it's funny is I thought that I only ever heard that song. Yeah. Uh, local radio in Jacksonville had a guy named Amadeus when I was growing up. And that was like, he played that when he was like on the radio. Like as and his intro? Yeah. And I did yeah. not realize that that was like a real song. I thought that was just his thing. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe you actually had a guy named Amadeus. That was a disc jockey on the local radio. Clearly wasn't his real name. Oh, well, that's yeah, my hopes up and everything. But yeah, I mean, I, I watched this movie like a long time ago, like when I was um, pretty young, uh, obviously too young to like fully appreciate how brilliant this movie is. So I'm glad I, I got to revisit that um, because I think very few movies are successful from the perspective of like basically the villain. Um, but who really is the villain, I guess, in this film? God? No, but seriously, what what did you think of the film? I mean, the villain Salieri. Um <laughs> I I liked it. It's uh it's it's kind of different uh to me as far as like, you know, I've seen a lot of movies and it's it's very uh unique. The tone of it, you know, it's not it's not overly funny, but there are some like very comedic moments in it. Um, very, very. Yeah. Very. And then I also didn't realize that this was like um, sort of adapted from a play. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like very far into the movie and I was like, man, some of these like opera scenes last a really long time. What are they doing here? <laughs> it's like that after I was like, Oh, that's why. Um, and I even enjoyed those. Like I thought it was really, uh, it was really cool. And like, you know, you hear a lot of music like i know that i know that oh that's cool um you know because i'm not that cultured to uh just have already known what the things were called um it's also funny too is i would see this like dvd cover all the time in like different stores and i would be like i have no idea what that movie's about like i just never put two and two together until like you know five to ten years ago so um but it was really it was really good um and uh yeah yeah i enjoyed it Good. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the movie cover, like the movie poster is way more seriously toned than the rest of the film. Um, you know how I was getting on to uh, my, my, one of my complaints, uh, very few, of Gladiator was like, oh, it's, they're supposed to be in Rome and Greek and Roman and he's supposed to be Spaniard, but then why do they all have like um, English accents, right? Yeah, what do you have to say about that now? Okay, I freaking love the, like, modern dialogue in this, like, Baroque time sort of setting. But the, they're, like, just shooting the shit, like, the same, like, type of stuff that we would say nowadays. I yeah. think that it really works for this, you know? Mozart was Baroque this whole movie. I am so what and this is something I caught on to and I it was obviously purposeful but the fact that all the 
English, like all the people that sounded American were German speakers. And then everyone else sort of had an accent, you know, affectating like what, wherever they were supposed to be coming from, like F. Some Murray of them, Abraham, right? Some well, of F. Murray Abraham had like this Italian thing going on a little, like off and on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was really cool. I noticed it when one of the, they were doing one of the operas and they even said, this is going to be in German. And then you hear them singing in English. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's a cool way to do it. To like make you feel like you're a part of it, but to do it in a language like for the audience you're going for. Yeah. Um, also, and I, and I don't know how accurate this part of it is because even though I did study like the old arts and, and such, um, the fact that, they went like all out with costumes and like the pink wigs. Uh, how, what did you feel about that? Cause I thought like, Oh, strictly they went like white wig, like very uh, British um, courthouse kind of look. But uh, yeah, they went kind of, kind of nutso with like the pinks and the blues and the just all different kind of colored wigs and stuff. Um, I didn't notice that or sorry what i meant to say you you only really see that though with mozart right right and i think the purpose of that is to paint him as this very eccentric character i don't know how realistic that is i don't know um you know i i wouldn't imagine that's the way things went and if you were to walk out around in like normal upper class society during that time people would probably you know judge you harshly so um but I, I liked it as like a you know a device in the movie um i think any any of my uh points uh for from now on is kind of probably be directly related to the movie so i'm i'm good with like jumping into the talking about the film if you are no no, you want to just talk like vaguely about the film and then we'll jump in to more specifics? Uh, you know, it's your day. Let's start. Okay. Well, uh, so like I mentioned before, right? This is kind of from the perspective of the antagonist, if you want to, if you want to say it that way. But um, he's like really old. Like this is at the end of his life. And what did you think of the beginning where they were trying to like break through the door and he's clearly trying to kill himself? Right. Like I, I thought I was like, okay, the guy is trying to kill himself. And then they're like, you better open this door right now or we're going to eat all the food in this place. And it's like, we will leave nothing for you. Um, yeah. It, it's, it sort of sets the tone really well from the beginning, right? This isn't going to be, this isn't going to be an overly serious movie. It's going to be a drama, but it's kind of, um, you know, when you look at like, like Shakespeare, the comedy versus drama. It's just like comedy isn't necessarily funny. It's just like lighter. Yeah. So you could almost consider this like a classical comedy uh, story. Um, and so I think that scene does, it sets the tone really well. You also just get like a lot of information from Salieri's screamings, just like of, you know, what he did to Mozart and, you know, him asking for forgiveness. I, I also really enjoyed they're they're carrying him you know he slices his neck and they're carrying him on a gurney to what is i don't know a hospital and it's an insane asylum. asylum it's an insane yeah. asylum um 
they're carrying him in a gurney and then behind him is a horse and carriage and i was like well that might be faster (laughs) or less bumpy i thought they did that because it was snowing it was like really snowy but yeah you're right the logic there isn't quite there um when the so the whole movie takes place as almost like a flashback as uh he's talking about his youth or he's not very young but he's talking about his past where he feels responsible for the death of of uh Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and he's kind of confessing his sin to this like young priest guy um obviously he's not supposed to be like that deep of a character the priest he's just kind of this outlet for this story but I love the setup um because they could have just very easily done like okay this is about Mozart the movie's called Amadeus we're just going to do it from the perspective of him and they don't, they do it this way. Um, and I know we were talking about the last few films like Rain Man and Gladiator. Did this deserve to win best picture? But I think if you go and approach a film in such a unique manner, you're already like ahead above the rest. Um, well, what did you think that was so unique about it? Well, first of all, you're talking from the perspective, basically, of the villain as a flashback. And there's a like an underlying mystery where he's like, oh, I feel responsible for killing him. And you're like, oh, shit. Because I was like, from everything I know, like my straight knowledge about Mozart is like, I don't think Mozart was murdered. That's kind of big. So it's just poses like a super interesting perspective and mystery surrounding like one of the most famous musicians of the like history right his death and surrounding that i just thought it was really cool just the setup and everything yeah and i i guess we can talk about it now too but like as the movie's playing out i'm like oh man i i really don't want to look up anything because i don't personally know a whole lot about mozart's life like it's not something i studied and um, as we get to the end, I'm then I then start looking up. I was like, oh, none of this happened. No, no. But I mean, I think it's like, it's so cool to go about it this way um, when you could have just told the same story from Mozart's perspective and you would have lost like the whole point of the movie even though I feel like personally the movie ended quite like abruptly. Well, not just abruptly, but also kind of not very dramatically, even though they were, I felt like they were building up to this very dramatic ending and it just kind of ended. Anticlimactically. Yeah. Anticlimactic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, you didn't have to say that was the word you were looking for. I was just trying to put it in there, and you'd be like, yes, that's good. Um, I, I, I also find it funny, before we get to the flashbacks, how Salieri keeps, like, one, he has this, like, amazing room to himself while, like, other people are, like, chained to the walls outside in the main, like, hallway. Right. Um, and he has his own piano, and then he's, like, playing music for the priest, and the priest doesn't recognize any of it. And then he plays something. The priest's like, oh, I know that. And as the audience, too, I was like, oh, I know that one, too. But I, as soon as I knew that I knew it, I was like, that's got to be Mozart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his his whole thing is, like, super freaking tragic, 
right? Like really, really sad. But then it's like, uh, you kind of brought it on to yourself. But the whole thing, right, is that he made this deal, or he, at least he felt like he's made this deal with God. And in making this deal with God, he's had to become celibate. He's had to become virtuous. He's had to become, you know, very uh, kind of a for the people kind of guy, giving these like free lessons and, and doing all these charity works and just to become like this great, well-known musician, which is like his lifelong childhood dream, which was jump-started by a prayer that he directed, like he directly connected it to his father dying because his father was the only one who was stopping him from achieving his musical dream. So then he prayed about it, his father died, and he saw it as a sign. He's like, oh, okay, this is what God wants me to do. Um, but then everything is blown to hell when Mozart steps into the frame. Right. And I like how they show like, he's just like a normal kid as Mozart is playing for the emperor of Austria, Marie Antoinette, like all these people. Um, and he's just a kid whose father's like holding him back in Italy. And then, yeah, you have the prayer that, that he thinks kills his father. Um, and then the next thing too, which I really like is when we finally meet Mozart and it kind of sets up, what that character is going to be for the rest of the time. And like the immediate uh, one, the, like the immediate, like dislike from, from Salieri. Yeah. And two also like Salieri, like overstepping bounds immediately too, like going into a room he's not supposed to, and then spying on Mozart immediately. That's all like pretty great. Yeah. And it, the, I mean, just the juxtaposition that Salieri has to have this like, he feels like he has to have this like celibacy, virtuous life to even just like get close to being a successful musician, a successful composer. And then you have Amadeus who's like this horny, hound dog, rambunctious, like do whatever the hell he wants to do. And yet he's like oozing with talent an opportunity and this is just like constantly like throughout the whole movie constantly thrown back in his face right yeah because there well there's two there's two things that sort of set salieri off one is um mozart sleeping with the woman that salieri says he loves right uh the opera Kater singer katarina yeah the opera singer and then two and i honestly think the more important thing is Salieri is overtaken like every time he hears anything Mozart does, whether he reads the music Mozart writes or actually hears it live. And when he, when he congratulates him or when, you know, he hears Mozart talks, it's always like Mozart like appreciates what Salieri says. And then he's like, well, of course you think that because it's the best thing ever written, you know, and that always rubs him the wrong way. I think another thing that rubs him the wrong way is the fact that every time Salieri wants to introduce a piece that he originally writes, Mozart somehow ends up making it better. And like, I don't know anything about music, but then just the few examples that was in the movie, I was like, well, shit, that, that is better. Right. Well, it's definitely like more fast paced, which obviously we're going to like. Um, yeah. The other thing too, is kind of a bigger theme 
that I f- saw, which I found interesting, was Salieri seemingly the way the movie presents it is like the only one who sees how truly talented Mozart is yeah. or is like the one that appreciates it the most and it drives him insane with jealousy. But if Salieri didn't compare himself to Mozart, like, you know, the emperor told him, you know, that's the best opera that's ever been written. You know what I mean? And like congratulated him and handed him a medal, you know, in front of Mozart. So it's like everyone sees Salieri as so amazing and accomplished. And he just sees Mozart as being so much better than him. And like no one else really seems to think that. Well, I mean, one thing like I think that plays a big factor into that is age. The fact that Mozart is like, what, 20 years younger than Salieri, just about. And I, I feel like um that plays a big part of it too but also it's kind of funny right because i would say that mozart's biggest downfall i'm not saying that's what killed him but i'm saying one of his biggest downfalls in life is his pride right but salieri's biggest downfall is his envy and i think the kind of the play between pride and envy between these two characters really works in such a way that it's like, I don't know. At at the end of it, they, they work together, but also they're still, they're still opposed. Like I love it too, because we're in Salieri's mind the entire movie. And it's like, okay, we know no matter what he says to Mozart, in the back of his mind, his other like agenda is to be against him, is to you know be his downfall, to push him to the edge. But then when they're actually speaking, Mozart is like, actually, I, I think you're really talented and I really like you a lot. And then Salieri's like, actually, I think you're really talented and I really like you a lot. But then in the you know behind the scenes, there's like, I'm gonna Salieri's like, I'm gonna destroy you. But then Mozart keeps being like, no, actually, I really genuinely like you and respect you. Just just like crazy to me right right um i also i like the scene where uh there first it's like the scene where the emperor is discussing whether to you know to keep mozart and salieri kind of convinces him by saying like well it'll really piss the archbishop archbishop off and the uh the emperor's like oh yeah that is that is enough for me to do it um and then the introduction of mozart as they like as they tell him to walk in, but they tell the guy bringing him in, like, walk slowly so I can practice this. And, like, the Mozart trying to, like, walk around the guy and get him to speed up, um, you know, is really funny to me. And then, you know, as you said, like, the the song that Salieri wrote and then the way Mozart just sort of, like, dunked on him by, like, doing it better just hearing it uh, is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, but also, did you get annoyed or, like, I don't, I don't know. It's not annoy, annoyance something else when Salieri is teaching people to like sing and play piano and they're just like they have no talent in it whatsoever like the what is he the emperor right uh, he's just like he's really awful but I don't know it's just like they're ju- like he's he's in the position of the most power so his judgment is the most important but when you have someone with like zero talent judging people like mozart and salieri with like 
tremendous talent, does it piss you off? Like to be like, oh, it's okay. Or, oh, I'm going to put you at this post, even though you don't really deserve it. It's like, dude, this is freaking Mozart. Um, no, I, th- I think if, you know, obviously it frustrates Mozart in the movie. Um, you know, he, I like the scene where he's telling them, he's like, oh, I want to do the opera in German because they had been discussing it. No, you know, no opera had been done in German, according to the movie. And he's like, yeah, I want to do a German opera about Turkish whores. And they're all just like, what? Um, I'd, I'd watch it. It's still at the end of the day. It's opera, though. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's beautiful. It's uh, prestige. And then, you know, you get the scene where he's, you know, training the lady and um, Katerina and she's like, oh, you know, can you introduce me to Mozart? He's like, you don't want to do that play. It's about a Turkish harem. She's like, oh, and then the cut to her in it. Actually, um, right before that, I wanted to talk to this, this part about that is where he's uh, convincing her not to do it or just she's like, oh, I'd love to meet him. You're so lucky you got to meet him. And then he goes. Well, I, I don't know if you want to meet him because, I mean, I'm just saying, like, looks don't always match the talent. And he's, like, like flirting with her, like, oh, you're beautiful and you're talented, and that's not for everyone. Because, like, I, you know, Amadeus is – Mozart's kind of goofy-looking, right? He's a goofy-looking motherfucker. And, um, and she's like, oh, it's not really looks that are attractive to me. It's talent. And so on that basis, right, because we know Salieri at that point has a huge crush on her. So this is like giving him hope in a way. Like he's not the best looking guy either. He's quite a bit older than her and whatever, but he's extremely talented. But then for her to sleep with Mozart as opposed to him, like think about how much, not only is he, not only is Mozart, who is younger than him, sleeping with the woman he likes, but now he knows that the woman he likes doesn't really care about looks, but only talent and would only sleep with Mozart and not him. Like that's like double gut punch. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only, and not only is he, is he sleeping with the loom, the woman Salieri loves, but he's then also has this other, you know, fiance that's, you know, beautiful and, you know, would, you know, so he's like, he's just getting all these things. He's not appreciating Katarina the way Salieri would. Um, and also in real life, apparently Salieri actually slept with her and Mozart never did. It's kind of an interesting like twist to the plot. Um, but the point I was trying to make is, you know, the, you were saying how like, oh, you have these no talent people judging. And then the emperor comes in and says like, oh, you know, it was, you know, to Mozart's first opera, the German one, you know, it was, it was good. It was, it was excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many notes. Yep. Just to. Just to take a few notes off, it'll be perfect. And he's like, which ones? You know, and gets kind of angry. Um, so that all is, I think, like that that kind of kind of proves your point about like the the annoyance that Mozart had for having to deal with these people. Well, because he's he thinks he's so great and the and the pride gets to him. But how, did you also notice like everything that Mozart doesn't do is very slow and drawn out? And the fact that Mozart is so much more fast paced than everyone else during that time, or at least the way that's the way the movie kind of perceives it. Right. Um, The emperor saying it's too many notes. You think he just means like the play itself is too long. Like it drags 
because there's a part later on in the film that he has like 20 people singing for eight or no he has like nine people singing for 20 minutes straight and um the emperor yawns so basically the play is canceled after like nine viewings right do you think yeah well just- i think salieri at one point even says like hey you know your thing was four hours long the emperor only likes things to be an hour so i think that is kind of what that means well yeah but in everything right like the emperor just likes fast paced short get to the point yada yada skip the bullshit and just do it and mozart is probably like his whole music is like that but then as soon as he wants to kind of bask in his like own thing for like a little bit it gets immediately like put down no yeah yeah i agree so the uh, the emperor seems to be in like tonally a little bit of a funnier movie than everyone else. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's done on purpose, though. Right. Um, the next scene that kind of comes up or at least the next thing that I remember is Mozart needs like a pupil because um, he's like completely broke. Uh, and which is not something I get, because like, how do you work for like the archbishop and the emperor or the archbishop for years. And then you move on to the emperor and you're still completely broke. But then you're kind of, you realize like his wife later on says he spends more money than they have. So that's kind of, that's kind of how that would, that would make you broke if you spend more money than you have. That would do it. Um, But he needs a pupil and he finds this job to like this like rich guy. He's like, Oh, he's in need of his daughter needs a music teacher. So he goes to do it, but he has like, what, 10 dogs? And I'm this, this talk about scenes of like no talent people annoying you for this. Cause like, what did you think of when like the dog was barking? He was trying to teach them. They won't get out of the room. And then the father like berates his daughter, like play, goddamn it. And then at that point, he's like, oh, maybe you want me to teach your other dog's music or something like that, which at first I thought it was like, damn, did he just call, did he just call his daughter a dog? That's kind of mean. Oh, there was a question in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a funny scene. Um, and it seems like it turns out that he wants, it's like a dog lesson. Like he wants the dog to get used to music and not bark. Like that was the whole purpose of someone coming over. Um, but that actually happens after the scene where the emperor is trying to get someone to teach his niece uh, music. Oh, does it? Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the pivotal scenes, but also like leaves me asking questions. Um, oh, because he doesn't get the post because Xavier, um, he's like, oh, uh, Mozart is a, is a fiend against women. Well, it starts by him, Salieri, saying, hey, you know, you can't show favoritism. We should, like, leave this post open. And Mozart refuses to enter. You know, he's like, I should just get the job. I'm obviously better. Um, and Salieri's like, well, that's not really the way this works. You have to give us. I think Salieri's banking on Mozart being too proud to enter, which is true until his wife, uh, Stanzi, yeah. yeah, like, brings over the... Um, the, the drawings or I'm sorry, the, uh, the music. And uh, you can see like, once again, Salieri like reading it and just like being overcome with like how brilliant it is and seeing like, Oh my God, there's no, there's no changes to this. He just wrote down like fully formed music. My, my favorite part of that scene. And it's one of my favorite parts of the movie is where 
were in his head at that point and he's thinking like how beautiful it is it's like the music is going off in his head he makes the comment about like how brilliant the fact that there's no changes and he basically gets so overwhelmed that he drops the whole file onto the floor and his wife's first reaction is like oh is it not good and the look yeah is it bad is it bad and the and the look on his face is like it's like one it's like of course it's not bad and then two it's like you insufferable uneducated swine like like it's so funny how much this guy respects the guy he's ultimately trying to kill right like and you don't even know if he's trying to kill him at that point but it's he can't hide how much admiration he has for Mozart. And when this scene started, I thought, oh, this seems like Salieri is going to try and seduce the wife to get back at Mozart for sleeping with the woman Salieri loves. And I was like, oh, no, he's just interested in the music. And then at the very end of the scene, he's like, come back tonight. And he's like, I'm making it very clear what the price is for your husband to get this job. Um, and the way she looks at him in that instant of like, I can't come back. I'm married. And she's like, she's like very uncomfortable by it and scandalized when she does come back at that night and just acts like it's any normal thing. I was like, is this a trap? <laughs> like, is she about to like get him caught or something? Like, is there a wire? <laughs> is there a wire in 16th century? Um, it's the 18th century. V- it's the 1700s. Where is it? Vienna? Anyways, no, there's no wire, David. It's Actually, Vienna. yeah, I really like this um, part of it because when she does come back and she's all flirt, flirtatious with him and he's like, take your top off. Or Actually, I don't even remember if he's like that. She just takes her top off. No, I think he asks. Very gentlemanly. No, no he doesn't ask. I think she just said, she's like, I brought oh, the music. She's like, I brought the music, but we don't need that, do we? But we don't need that. And she starts getting undressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's so disgusted. So the look, like, you would think, like, oh, he's so disgusted with her. But the truth of the matter is, is he's so disgusted with himself that he was about to break his, like, years and years of celibacy for this, like, revenge plot that he just doesn't want to go down. And, like, this movie is so great, right? right? Because that could have easily been that. Like, that could have just done that. And like you said, it probably actually happened in real life. Like, that's more like... What do you mean? That's, that's more like what would have happened, right? But he decided not to go down that path. Yeah, so I actually was not confused by the scene, but I was confused by his intentions. Right. Um, and before she showed up, he's, like, having a conversation with God saying you know, give me one piece of music as good as anything Mozart's done and I'll give Mozart the position with the niece, you know, I'll make it happen. And um, instead this happens. And I guess what you get from it is he's mad at God because then he burns the crucifix right after that. But I thought when he originally, like when she got naked and then he rang the bell, I thought it was kind of like, well, I'm going to ruin Mozart by like showing, you know, telling everyone his wife is like a whore or something. Um, and is sleeping around and so when that like didn't come up for the next like two and a half hours in the movie I was like oh, okay so he's just he's just mad that that's like he felt every time something happened it was God you know 
kind of not giving him what he asked for, not giving him what he deserved. Um, or what he, what he thought he deserved. Also, this is probably the first time he's ever seen boobs. So that's probably a shock to him. In this movie universe, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, mean he, could be, he could be celibate from like an age, maybe like when he was younger. No, but that's what I'm saying though, right? Because when we see him, he's like, what, 11? When he makes this deal, like when his dad dies, like that's when I have to assume that it started. You don't know what 10-year-old Salieri was getting up to. And okay, I don't want to presume. Point is, is that it's great, right? Like not the situation. Like you never want to put someone into that like ultimatum, right? But as far as like movie plot goes, it's great because he's about to sleep with Mozart's wife. He's about to get his revenge. And then he becomes so like internally disgusted with himself that he's even like, she's in front of him naked. He panics. He rings like the butler bell. He comes in and he's like, get this woman out of my sights or something like that. Right. And um, he's like, basically he's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And he's like, I'm going to just try to outwork Mozart, which is like pointless because you can't outwork Mozart. I like the point of the movie where everyone thinks he's on like hardcore drugs and he's not. He's just been like working himself literally to death. You were like making a point and then you're just like, now I'm going to just add another completely different point. Well, I mean, so, my point, my point basically was, is that try as he might, he could, he could never catch up to Mozart. Yeah. But I don't, I think at that point it was, it wasn't, I'm going to play fair and catch up to Mozart. It was, I'm going to do whatever it takes to ruin Mozart and thereby win which right after that, he tells the emperor that Mozart molests, you know, young girls. And yeah. so costing like all, him the position. It's, it's almost like a, a weird standard that he's holding himself up against. He's like, okay, I don't want to go against God and sleep with a married woman or sleep with uh, any woman at all. But extortion, lying, and murder, that's fine. That's all good. Well, no, I just think that, I mean, the going against God thing, he literally burns the crucifix because he's done with God. So I, I just think that not sleeping with her was just like, maybe one, he didn't know what he was doing because he was celibate at this age. But then true. <laughs> the other thing was just, I think he's like, that's not going to get me what I want. Just like this little revenge for her, him sleeping with Katerina isn't going to get me what I really want, which is to be better than him or to ruin him so that I'm the best. Um, because at that, that point, at that point, you have the motivation that he wants to ruin Mozart because he slept with the woman that he liked, right, Katerina. But then I think you're right. It gets way more interesting in the fact that he doesn't care. He just wants to be, you know, all around better at, at his talent and composing and music and everything. That's like the real motivation yeah that's exactly what i just said um there are a couple funny lines like right after this um where mozart doesn't get the job with the niece and he goes to salieri and he's like i can't believe that guy got it he's a mediocrity and uh salieri's like no he has yet to achieve mediocrity um i think is pretty great and then another uh right after that uh salieri's like are you living in poverty <laughs> mozart's like no but i am broke <laughs> Can we talk about his laugh for just a second? Sure. Um, what did you think of that? 
when you first heard it? I was like, oh, so Mozart was a crazy person. That's what I thought. Uh, what did you think about the choice of going with that, like, crazed laugh? Like, uh, like, uh, there's no way to know, say just, that that was, like, from actual Mozart. So that must have been, like, a stylistic choice. Um, I was reading up on it. There's apparently some, like, unverified letters that he had a very weird laugh. Um <laughs> And so it's like a quibble amongst historians and the director just told uh, Tom Hulse, Holche, I don't know how to say his name. Anyway, told the Mozart actor, just, you know, come up with a weird laugh. And that's what we got. And I think it works well with the, uh, the rest of the character that we get in the movie. So I liked it. No, it definitely does. I love it. I think it's a, it's a great like uh, characteristic to have. And the fact that like, this is the only movie I know that actor from. I don't know him in any other film, unless he's like a chameleon. I don't. I don't think he's been in much. Um, he was in uh, Animal House, and then yeah, some other stuff. I mean, more '80s stuff than yeah. than now. That makes sense. Yeah, I think also you need an annoying laugh with this character. You know, especially since we're doing it from Salieri's perspective, someone who hates him as just like, just one more thing to just like torment him. And it comes in handy in a few times in the movie, like plot wise, because they're at this like really big party and he just hears his laugh in the distance and he knows he's in the room somewhere. I really like that part about it. Right. And then, you know, he is asked by the people there to play music and someone says, play Salieri. He's like, okay. And then he kind of mocks Salieri as Salieri's watching him. Um, no, Salieri asked to play Salieri. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because he's like, what does he think of me? Does he like me? <laughs> yeah. Does he think I'm a good music guy? Um, uh, I, I like the, the rest of the plot for this particular part is just setting up the next play. Um, yep. Salieri hires a, a maid slash spy for Mozart, which they accept. Um, and then Salieri goes to Mozart's house when they're away and sees what he's working on and figures out that how they're able to keep paying for stuff. And it is um, Mozart's working on Figaro, which is apparently banned by the emperor of Austria. Yeah. Um, and that all, that all goes to this next scene, which I think is really great, which is the emperor kind of calling Mozart out like, Hey, you know, you know, this is banned, right? Like, why are you working on it? Um, and I think that scene's really like a really great one. Yeah, because um, he's like, yeah, I know it's banned, but it's actually not that bad. I'm going to take out all the bad parts and it's actually going to be funny. And he, he, like, he's coming up with all these things and they're just not having it. And the one thing I really like about that scene is that everything that Mozart has like proposed to do, he's gotten to do, right? He's gotten away with it. And the pushback on this is so hard by everyone that you you think in the beginning, at least, I mean, this is what it had me thinking, right? That, oh, he's going he's gonna to get to do it. But the pushback is so hard that I'm like, oh, shit, he doesn't get to do it, I guess. He's not going to be able to. Well, yeah, even the emperor says, like, you're very passionate, but you're not persuasive. And I was like, oh, I guess that's it. And then he keeps going and eventually persuades the emperor to allow him to do it. And it's in one of those ways that he's like, Oh, let me just tell you about the first opening scene. 
and then it just crossfades to it actually happening. Right. And I like that Salieri is undeterred and is like, all right, well, you need to watch out because the, if the play has any dancing, the emperor is going to get mad. Um, and so makes them, you know, makes these other two guys, which I don't really know what they're, I think one's like a director or something. I don't know what exactly their roles are. Uh, they basically tell uh, Mozart that for the scenes where he has dancing, he can have no music. And it leads to my favorite part where the emperor comes to the rehearsal and is watching. And he's like, what is this? Is it modern? <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then he turns to Salieri and he's like, do you, do you like this? Is this? Do you? Yeah, what are you? What What are your thoughts? Is this good? And then they're like, "Well, it's against the law." And he's like, "Well, I want to hear it with music." And they're like, "Sir," he's like, "I, I want to hear it with music." <laughs> he's basically like, "Look, I made the law. <laughs> I can unmake the law. Like, I don't want to go easy. back to the palace and write a new law and then come back and listen to it. Can we just do this now? <laughs> like, all it'll be all right." Yeah, and and I mean, once again, Mozart gets his way. Right, like he's always getting his way, um, but except the emperor yawned, so we only got nine performances. Well, I mean, dude, it's a it's a twenty minute song, like I. <sighs> it's pretty great though. People kept coming in, more and more people to sing. One on top of the other. Two, and if, three, a quintet, uh, a sextet, yeah. a septet, an octet. And this this scene also really like nails home that Salieri appreciates Mozart almost more than anybody. You know, oh, like yeah. Yeah. he only gets nine performances because the emperor yawns and then like he just can't keep it going. But Salieri's like on the verge of tears, like listening to it. Um, and this is another point where Salieri asks him, he's like, well, you know, I only got nine performances, but what did you think? And he's like, it was marvelous. And he's like, of course, it's the best thing ever written. And like, as we talked about, like, that is why Salieri hates him, at least like one of the main reasons. The next scene is, is actually one of my favorites. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking your scene, David. I, I like your scene a lot. I, think I didn't rate true. the scene, so I'm fine I, with you saying whatever your favorite it was is. Really funny, David. I think the next scene, juxtaposed to your favorite, is the one where Salieri is the one who writes it and he gets that compliment from the emperor, the best play, the best opera ever written, right? And it's almost like all these lessons that he learned from like from Mozart on what not to do. Cause we only see really the ending. And from what I get, it's this like epic piece, right? It's this big grandiose piece where it's like, it's a lot of players, but they're not all singing. And it's like, this like ends in this like marvelous victory. Um, and you know when it ends, so people know when to clap. Right. Um, and the songs are a little like less fast paced and more classical sounding. But, but yet short, so you get rid of that like too many notes sort of note that the emperor likes to give. Um, and he, yeah, it's like, his magnum opus in a way like Salieri's like biggest best piece it's funny though is you have um Mozart in the crowd and he kind of looks bored and then when he comes down the uh the compliments he gives to Salieri are so kind of like if you take he's like I think the last thing he says is like that was just so Salieri and Salieri's like oh thank you and it's just like 
Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a compliment. <laughs> because, I mean, doesn't his father visit at that point? Like, his father really wants him back in, in uh, where his father it? His father had already visited, and then his father left when they hired the maid because the wife was just like, you're just eating all of our food and sleeping all day. Yeah. Um, and then he leaves. This is actually the point right after Salieri's uh, opera where his dad dies. Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to talk about his dad, right? Because his dad was this like, I love the, the part where it's like, yeah, Mozart is really good. And I bet you wish you had the talent Mozart did. But also you don't want to become like a monkey, like a circus monkey playing for breadcrumbs or whatever the analogy was. Um, because you saw how far his dad drove him and then when his dad was sent to like collect him and take him back he's like it's like dude i'm married and have a life here like the last thing i want to do is go back to you know where where is he from salzburg salzburg that's right um he's like yeah the last thing i do i want to go back is uh go back to salzburg and then his dad is like comes to go get him and he's not convincing and his wife and everything like that but that leads up to the scene where they go to that party and his dad and him and that's just him spending way more money than he has like that's a really good example of a scene where he spends too much money getting like a new mask and a new costume for him his dad and his wife but the costume his dad wears is like this like drama mask like happy drama mask sad drama mask sort of thing like right. in this like black cloak, like basically looking like death, right? And one of my favorite scenes is where they're playing basically musical chairs, Barokian musical chairs. Um, he has, <laughs> his dad has the sad mask on the back of his face and the happy mask on the, on the front of his face. And so when uh, Mozart looks up at him, he sees the sad mask. And then he, he gets like unnerved and then his dad turns around to face him and it's the happy mask and Mozart gets like really, really happy. And then his dad takes off the happy mask and it's just this scowl and he gets really sad again. I love that. It's like one of my favorite parts. No, oh, yeah, it's good. And then his dad's just like, you're partying too much. Why are we here? Your wife just showed off her legs. I'm not giving you a punishment. Or his, his punishment was like, you know, come back to Salzburg. He's like, no, it has to be something in the room. Um, yeah. yeah, that part, that part's good. I, um, I do like the play that Mozart writes after his dad dies, Don Giovanni. Um, especially the part where Salieri is like, I made sure it only ran five times. I went to all five performances. You know, you can see like how emotional it's making him. I mean, at this point, the movie is kind of like speeding up and we're getting a lot towards the conclusion once the dad dies. Yeah, because that's pretty much the catalyst for like how, I guess it's, I guess you would say his father, Mozart's father's dying is how Sal gets the idea on how to kill him, to kill Mozart, right? Right. And watching the play, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, because this is all in the same realm, I think, that Salieri was at that party when Mozart was partying with his wife and his dad, right? 
Correct. And so he, first of all, he shows up. Salieri shows up in the same costume that his dad was in with the like all black, happy, sad mask sort of thing to basically hire Mozart to write a funeral play. I don't, I, I'm not quite sure what that is. Do you know what a funeral play is? It was, the purpose of it was just something to play at the funeral as the procession is going out. Right, it's like a funeral that hasn't happened for someone who doesn't need it. And it's it's basically like putting, implanting the Mozart's head, like, oh, it's for his dad. Or at least that's what he, like, implies because he's wearing the same thing his dad wore the last time he saw him. Well, he's he's trying to trick him, but what he wants is to just steal the music. Salieri. Was that it? Yeah, so he wants Mozart to write it, and then he's going to kill Mozart. And then once he kills Mozart, he's going to have it play at Mozart's um, funeral. By him. And then claim he wrote it, and then it would be, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And what's what's interesting in uh, reading up a little bit is that this actually did happen, but it was just this other guy who used to go around and ask people anonymously anonymously to write music and then would steal it and say he wrote it and never give anyone credit, but it just wasn't Salieri. That's funny. Right. But I mean, uh-huh. then Salieri, it's like, wouldn't, it, but Salieri is the one who shows up asking or giving him money, asking for the play in his father's mask. You would think at one point Mozart would recognize his voice because it's such a, such a unique voice. Right. Yeah. And, and the wife too, right. When she comes up the one time, um, when he comes, I think, uh, Salieri comes back at one point and she's like why don't you keep working on that this guy's at least paying you because we haven't talked about it yet but we meet this one guy I don't mm-hmm. even know what his name is I don't remember I don't, if it's I don't uh, know his name but he's basically the vaudeville guy and they're doing a, a funny like version of Don Giovanni and the guy afterwards offers Mozart he's like do a play here you can do whatever you want um, and you'll get half the proceeds and his wife's like no we need money up front just like I know you need money up front, but like, come on, that's bad business right there. Like this dude's going to give you half. And she says like, oh, he's never going to pay. And then it turns out like he pays right away. Like Mozart, you know, later on when they do their first run of it, he like brings the money to Mozart's house, like immediately afterwards when Mozart had fainted. So yeah, the guy was good for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically Mozart is writing himself to death at this point, which is kind of Salieri's plan all along is for him to write this like death mass. Um, and then at the same time, write the vaudeville play. And he's just, I think he's writing a third thing too. Like he is like deep in his work. He finally finishes the vaudeville play and he's playing like the piano for it. Which I don't quite get why, but maybe that's just like an extra job he picked up. Um, but he like fucking faints, like right in the middle of the. No, that's the uh, that's the one he wrote for the guy, the vaudeville. Yeah, that's the vaudeville one. No, no, no. I'm uh, saying, but he wrote he wrote the vaudeville. He finished the vaudeville, and then his his like second job is to play the piano for it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I guess. I actually had to rewind that. I was like, is this two different things? But then like, no, it's just this, he like walked over from the conductor chair and has to do the piano part. Um, the other guy, you mean? What other guy? The other guy who walks over from the conductor chair and plays the piano part after he faints. Well, yeah, but before that, he was conducting, 
and then Mozart was conducting. No, he wasn't. Mozart was you... Mozart was on the piano the entire time. I will bet you a thousand dollars, right nah, here now. No, it's okay. It's okay. Mozart. Mozart was conducting. Mozart was conducting. He was. It was the Mozart was conducting yeah, yeah. the he scene conducting. where the where the lady is all in white and she's yeah. singing because he got the idea from Stanzi's uh, his mother in law. Yeah, yeah. Um. No, you, you're right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I take Venmo. I don't, I don't have a thousand dollars to bet. So you're totally right, David. A hundred percent. Um, it'll be funny if anyone ever watches this and then listens to us and then says, like, "Oh, Alon's right." Um, but the <laughs> the thing is that he faints. That's the whole point. He faints. He almost dies. And who's there to take him home? Because Salieri. who? Because who goes to every single play that Mozart ever writes? Which is kind of sweet. Salieri. It's kind of sweet if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, and before that, too, he showed back up to ask for him to write it. And he's like, oh, can you give me two more weeks? Um, and the guy says, sure. And that's when Stanzi, like, yells at him and is like, you know, why aren't you finishing that? That guy's paying you. And then Mozart goes out and gets drunk with the vaudeville people. And then he comes home and Stanzi has left. And then the mother-in-law says, I'm the one that told her to leave. And then gives, you know, him the inspiration um, I think all that is kind of like important to set up the end, which is, which is a little bit fortuitous the way it all works out. Um, because, you know, he takes, he takes Mozart home um, and Mozart's like, oh, you know, thank you. And there's a knock at the door. Right. And he tells Mozart, oh, that's the, that's the guy. Tell him I'm not done, but if he gives me some money, then I'll probably get done, you know, I can get done soon. And so Salieri goes out to the door and instead of being the death guy, because it obviously can't be that guy because that's Salieri, it's the vaudeville guy with his half of the take from that night's performance. And so it just like all works out like too, too perfectly. Right. Salieri walks in with the money and is like, hey, um, here's the money he gave you. And he said he'll give you a hundred more ducats, which I have no idea what that means. Sounds like a lot of money. But uh, he'll give you a hundred more if you can get it done by tomorrow night. And Mozart's like, "Oh, that's impossible." But a hundred, you say? <laughs> yeah. And then basically, that's like, here's what I think: is that Salieri is basically looking at Mozart and being like, "This guy's about to die." Right. And like his mix of like respect for him, plus his mix of trying to get one over on him and be better than him and stealing the music and everything, it's all coming together. And actually, it's this like nice little bromance sort of thing where he's like, "Will you help me write it?" And Salieri's like, "Me? You want me to help you?" Like that sort of like sort of vibe I'm getting, right? But it basically, ends up him helping him finish the thing he's actually even you know ending up doing for Salieri that he doesn't know, and um, they finish it right. Like they finish it. And it's beautiful and it's amazing, apparently. Um, and then at that same point, his wife decides to come back to him. And I don't know that they actually finished it. I think that I thought because they had a little bit more because he's like, let me just take a nap. And he's like, no, no, I can continue. And he's like, no, no, you just please stay while I sleep. And Salieri's like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. And I think at that point, Salieri is kind of like 
not changed, but is like turned a little bit to where it's not even like the hatred anymore. It's just like the respect. He's, he's getting to witness the brilliance firsthand. And I love the, the part where Mozart's dictating to him and he's like, you're going too fast. And then, or he's like, Oh wait, what that part doesn't even make sense. And Mozart's like, <sighs> and then starts like kind of doing the beat and showing him how to come in. He's like, Oh my God. Like, it's like, I could never even have thought of something that great. You know what I mean? Like that you're so much better than me. Uh, and what I did read is that um, the actor playing Mozart like purposely would do his lines, like would skip certain lines. So it would make uh, Salieri like seem more flustered and unable to follow. And I think that's like pretty cool. I'm not sure if that's the take that obviously worked, but like it, you do get that from that scene. And I think it is, it is cool. Like those two together is cool. Cause you don't really get it. You, they have other scenes together, but this is kind of the best one to me. No, it definitely is. Um, and then his wife, they both fall asleep, right? Until like morning. His wife yeah. comes home and then sees Salieri on the couch and she gets like really upset. But then she sees the money and, or the, you know, his son picks up the money and then she sees the money and he's like, oh, I don't want you touching this. But he, she looks at it and she's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, I think it would be stronger if it was finished. Cause she looks at it and she's like, I don't want you ever touching this again. But if it's finished, like that would have been cool. Like she'd been like, Oh, never mind. It's finished. You did it. Like with his help, like everyone's on his side, everyone's happy. It's all good. And then Mozart dies. Right. I think it's funny. Once she's like telling Salieri, he needs to leave. And he's like, um, well, I, I want Mozart to tell me. And then she like discovers the thing and she's like, you know what? I'm putting this up. No one's ever going to, he's like, what? No, no, I want the, you know, and she like locks it up. Um, and it's just, you know, Salieri's kind of like defeated. And then you discover that Mozart has died at some point, you know, probably like right then. Cause I think he was moving a little bit when he, like the sun came. Um, the sun, yeah. The sun came. It's so nice. Cause he got to see his wife and his son one last time. And then, but didn't really even get to say anything. <laughs> I can't even do the laugh. Um, apparently the uh, so Mozart when he was when they were doing like the filming of it could obviously did that laugh. But then when they had to do some of like the ADR later, he said he had to get drunk in order to get the laugh back because he couldn't remember how to do it. <laughs> it's a, it's such a specific laugh, right? Um. And the ending's kind of very cold. You know, he's taken out in a casket as his family watches, and then his body's dumped in a, like a mass grave as the casket has to be reused. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then you have Salieri blaming God and everyone else, you know, blaming God for killing Mozart and for torturing Salieri. And it's like, all right, bro, no responsibility whatsoever for your actions. Like, you did all this. I mean, is it no responsibility for his actions? Because he did try to kill himself. So, I mean, he must have taken some responsibility for his actions. But the movie maybe, ends in... Maybe that night he took responsibility, but uh, the next day with the priest, he's like, no, 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 no. I didn't do any of this. This is not me. But that's all like, oh my God. That's his envy and his pride and everything, right? But he gets the best punishment. Because at the end... He's like, oh, Mozart died, and I got to live. But, you know, 
in respect. Everyone, everyone now knows Mozart and no one knows me. His music kept on living past him. And then even though Salieri kept living, his music died, you know, or everyone's love of his music died very soon after. So he got, he had to live, what did he say? An extra 25, 35 30, years? Yeah, something like 32 years. Like past Mozart and just watch the dude's career like skyrocket after his death. Like that's crazy. That's a crazy ass punishment. And then and he couldn't, and he couldn't even do anything to like get back at Mozart because he's already gone. It's like, what can you do? I'd kill myself too, honestly. Um, of course you would. Uh, also, uh, kind of ironically, uh, apparently uh, Salieri was kind of somewhat unknown to most people. And then this movie sort of uh, gave him like his music, like a second life a little bit, which I think is funny because the, the whole point of this is how like no one knew who he was and that was his punishment. You know, what's funny is that if you look up the casting of this movie on, I think it's IMDb, um, the real Salieri shows up as one of the one of the cast members, like right next to the actor who plays Salieri. But then it's actually the real Salieri. It's just like this old like photo, like drawing of him. It's funny. I I don't know. I thought it was funny. I thought you were trying to say that Salieri was alive and that he's an extra in the movie. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I just... I was like, I just are you, are you doing a joke? <laughs> no, it's just IMDb has Salieri, like, cast as himself in the, in the cast listing next to the guy who played him. I just thought... It, I don't know why. I just thought it was funny. It's like being like, oh, the movie about Dick Cheney has Dick Cheney and Christian Bale. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the fact that they can't get like an actual photograph of him, it's just like this drawing. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. I um, can't get a photo of him. Yeah, a photograph. Um, <laughs> Salieri is like 400 years old and he's just in the fucking movie. He was the guy in the wheelchair. I have to say, though, the makeup they did for old Salieri is amazing. Award-winning, even. Oh, did it, did it also win Best Makeup? Yeah. That's awesome. That's it good. won eight, eight Oscars. Good Best for Best Director, yeah. F. Murray Abraham won, and um, Best for, Picture. For Best Actor? Yeah, F. Murray Abraham. Actually, so Mozart and Salieri were both nominated for Best Actor. The actual uh, people or the actors? Yeah, Salieri. Oh, good. He couldn't be there to accept it, so F. Mary Abraham accepted it for him. Of course. Um, and then this one, Best Director, uh, best, uh, best Picture, obviously, which is why we're talking about it. Um, one thing that I read is pretty funny is, um, so Milos Forman is the director, and mm -hmm. um, he's from Prague, and that's where they filmed this because um, – I guess because it was uh, still somewhat like it was under communist rule, I guess at this time. And so they didn't have a lot of like the, uh, like the newer technology so that it still looked <laughs> like it still had the look they needed to like to portray Vienna. Oh, that's kind of cool. And so, but uh, there were just like secret police everywhere watching the production. Um, and so at one point they were filming on July 4th, and they had uh, an American flag, like, unfurl in the theater they were performing at. And then everyone stood up and started singing the national anthem. Like the, except, 
American national all the crew and stuff oh except for like 30 people and then they realized that those 30 people were like secret police that were just like amongst the crew like trying oh to like god. watch oh my god that's uh, funny yeah so um so the movie basically ends uh that uh sal is getting rolled out and he's already confessed he's basically the whole point of the movie is to say like hey sure mozart died but his music lived on and i had to live through that and that's the ultimate punishment because i never got famous right and then he gets like rolled out and his just it's almost like Mozart's pride is like embedded in Salieri at this point because he's rolling down the hallway past all these insane people um, from the insane asylum. And he's like anointing them, forgiving them. I don't quite, I don't quite remember what he said. Do you remember what he was saying? I don't remember the- his... All I remember is he was screaming that he was mediocre. I don't remember exactly what he was saying to each of them. No, they were mediocre and he was like... Absolving them? Absolving them of their mediocrity. Um, and then... Mediocrity. Me- mediocrity. That's what I meant. And then, um, and then the last thing you hear, or at least Salieri hears, is the laugh. Like the laugh comes back in one last time. Almost in like... A, I, I don't know. Just always in his head, always mocking him. So that's how I took it. Did you take it the same way? I gave no extra thought to the final laugh. The I final, just thought it was like a good punctuation to the movie. Final Amadeus laugh. Hey, let me Amadeus. ask you, out of the out of the eight Oscars, um, did they win for best music? No. Salieri can't even win that, huh? It's the category's best original score. Yeah. And very clearly the score for this is not original. No, but so, wasn't isn't there like best uh, music composition or editing? Like no, music edit original score. I mean sound editing. Sound editing, yeah. I mean, didn't did they win sound editing? Uh, I'm fucking like just gotta so it didn't win original score, didn't win original Original song score. Oh, wow. That's interesting. There's original score, original song score, and then original song. It, it won all three? They won for sound. There we go. Sound. The, the category of sound. What, what other movies were in that category to be nominated? Oh, my God. Why do you do things like this? I'm just wondering. Dune. Mm. The River. Mm-hmm. 2010. Yeah never heard of nope i've never heard of any of these and uh, a passage to india you've never heard of dune no i've heard of dune but everything else is is foreign to me they could be foreign are they foreign oh, no these are not foreign oh, okay well um Hold yeah on. the foreign language films are dangerous moves that came from switzerland i don't care beyond the walls from israel camilla from argentina david double feature from spain hold on almost done and the Union of I, Soviet Socialist Republics uh, with Wartime Romance. Good. I know what Danger, you're doing. Hold on. Dangerous Moves won from Switzerland. Oh, good to know. So if, you, if, you, if you're done being annoying as all hell, um, I just want to say I remember really liking this movie. I, did, I could not, no way, had the capacity to appreciate it uh, to the point that I do now. But I, I still really like it. I think it's a pretty solid film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's it. Like, 
not one of the greatest movies ever written in the 20th century no nope solid laugh though thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched where we give our a plus criticism to all of our movies i'm alon uh, and this is david and i finally watched amadeus <laughs>